0: Part 3, Section 4 of The Dark Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dark Flower by John Galsworthy. Section 42. No business of his. The merest sense of comradeship. Then took him once more to drummers after that disclosure to prove that the word outside had no significance save in his friend's own fancy to assure him again that Sylvia would be very glad to welcome the child at any time she liked to come. When he had told her of that little matter of Nell's birth, she had been silent a long minute, looking in his face, and then had said, Poor child, I wonder if she knows. People are so unkind even nowadays. He could not himself think of anyone who would pay attention to such a thing, except to be kinder to the girl. But in such matters, Sylvia was the better judge. In closer touch with general thought, she met people that he did not, and of a more normal species. It was rather late when he got to Dromer's diggings on the third visit. Mr. Dromer, sir, the man had said. He had one of those strictly confidential faces bestowed by an all-wise providence on servants in the neighborhood of Piccadilly. Mr. Dromer, sir, is not in, but he will be almost sure to be in to dress. Miss Nell is in, sir. And there she was, sitting at the table, pasting photographs into an album, lonely young creature in that abode of male middle age. Lennon stood, unheard, gazing at the back of her head with its thick, crinkly brown hair tied back on her dark red frock. And to the confidential man soft, Mr. Lennon, miss, he added a softer, may I come in? She put her hand into his with intense composure. Oh, yes, do, if you don't mind the mess I'm making. And with a little squeeze of the tips of her fingers added, would it bore you to see my photographs? And down they sat together, before the photographs, snapshots of people with guns or fishing rods, little groups of schoolgirls, kittens, Dromer and herself on horseback, and several of a young man with a broad, daring, rather good-looking face. That's Oliver, Oliver Drummer, dad's first cousin, once removed. Rather nice, isn't he? I do you like his expression? Lennon did not know, not her second cousin your father's first cousin, once removed. And again, there leaped in him that unreasoning flame of indignant pity. And how about drawing? You haven't come to be taught yet. She went almost as red as her frock. I thought you were only being polite. I oughtn't to have asked. Of course, I want to, awfully. Only I know it'll bore you. It won't at all. She looked up at that. What well, peculiar lingorious eyes they were. Shall I come tomorrow then? Any day you like, between half past twelve and one. Where? He took out a card. Mark Lennon. Yes, I like your name. I liked it the other day. It's awfully nice. What was in a name that she should like him because of it? His fame as a sculptor, such as it was, could have nothing to do with that, for she would certainly not know of it. But there was a lot in a name for children. In his childhood, what fascination there had been in the words Macaroon, and Spaniard, and Caranola, and Aldebaran, and Mr. McCrae. For quite a week, the whole world had been Mr. McCrae, a most ordinary friend of Gordy's. By whatever fascination moved, she talked freely enough now of her school, of riding and motoring. She seemed to love going very fast about Newmarket, which was perfect, and theaters, plays of that type that Johnny Dromer might be expected to approve. These together with Hamlet and King Lear were all she had seen. Never was a girl so untouched to by thought or art, yet not stupid, having seemingly a certain natural good taste, only nothing evidently had come her way. How could it, Johnny Dromore, Deuce at auspice, Johnny Dromore? She had been taken, indeed, to the National Gallery while at school, and Lennon had a vision of eight or ten young maidens trailing round the skirts of one old maiden, admiring Lancia's dogs, giggling faintly at Botticella's angels, gaping, rustling, chattering like young birds in a shrubbery. But with all her surroundings, this child of Johnny, Dromordom, was as yet more innocent than cultured girls of the same age. Those gray, mesmeric eyes of hers followed him about, they did so frankly, unconsciously. There was no minx in her, so far. An hour went by, and Dromore did not come, and the loneliness of this young creature in her incurious abode began telling on Lennon's equanimity. What did she do in the evenings? Sometimes I go to the theater with Dad. Generally I stay at home. Oh, I just read or talk French. What, to yourself? Yes, or to Oliver sometimes when he comes in. So Oliver comes in. How long have you known Oliver? Oh, ever since I was a child. He wanted to say, and how long is that, but managed to refrain and got up to go instead. She caught his sleeve and said you're not to go saying that she looked as a dog will going to bite in fun her upper lip shortened above her small white teeth set fast on her lower lip and her chin thrust a little forward a glimpse of willful spirit but as soon as he had smiled and murmured ah but i must you see she at once regained her manners only saying rather mournfully you don't call me by my name don't you like it Nell? Yes, it's really Eleanor, of course. Don't you like it? If he had detested the name, he could only have answered very much. I'm awfully glad. Goodbye. When he got out into the street, he felt terribly like a man who, instead of having had his sleeve touched, has had his heart plucked at, and that warm, bewildered feeling lasted him all the way home. Changing for dinner, he looked at himself with unwanted attention. Yes, his dark hair was still thick, but going distinctly gray. There were very many lines about his eyes, too, and those eyes, still eager when they smiled, were particularly deep-set, as if life had forced them back. His cheekbones were almost bopsies now, and his cheeks were very thin and dark and his jaw looked too set and bony below the almost black moustache altogether a face that life had worn a good deal with nothing for a child to take a fancy to and make friends with that he could see sylvia came in while he was thus taking stock of himself bringing a freshly opened flask of eau de cologne she was always bringing him something never was anyone so sweet in those ways In that gray, low-cut frock, her white, still prettiness, and pale gold hair, so little touched by time, only just fell short of real beauty, for lack of a spice of depth and incisiveness. Just as her spirit lacked, he knew not what of poignancy, he would not for the world have let her know that he ever felt that lack. If a man could not hide little rifts in the lute from one so good and humble and affectionate, he was not fit to live. She sang the castle of Dromer again that night with its queer haunting lilt, and when she had gone up and he was smoking over the fire, the girl in her dark red frock seemed to come and sit opposite with her eyes fixed on his, just as she had been sitting while they talked. Dark red had suited her, suited the look on her face when she had said, You're not to go. Odd indeed if she had not some devil in her with that parentage. End of section 42.